This is Talk of the Town on Magic 590. I'm Bob Cudmore. We're also heard on 100.5 FM. Joining us on Talk of the Town is Kathy Sheehan, the mayor of Albany. And we begin with a couple of constituent questions, Mayor. There's been an increase in residents receiving violations when they place their garbage on the curb too early for collection. Many residents are unaware that city code dictates a time frame for putting out the garbage. Are you planning to work with residents on this matter? Well, you know, this is certainly something that we do get complaints about from time to time, and I can't confirm that there's actually been an increase. I think that there are just individuals who haven't received it before. There has always been a code with respect to when we put garbage out. It used to be that you couldn't put it out before 7 p.m., um, and in response to some requests from common council members um, and against the best wishes of our commissioner of uh, general services, that was changed. And so now people can put it out. Um, they can't put it out before 430 the prior mm-hmm. day. Um, and, you know, that's for people who maybe are working a later shift um, and they need to put their garbage out before they leave for work. But uh, you can't put your garbage out before 4.30, and it just makes common sense. Um, You know, you don't want garbage sitting out in front of residences. Uh, Animals get in them even when Mm -hmm. people have cans. Mm -hmm. It can be uh, problematic. So that's the rule, and uh, we need everybody to to, uh, uh, pay attention, we hope, and uh, and comply with that. Second question, uh, the constituent writes, Recently, Freeble Road between Buckingham Drive and Crumkill Road was changed to a one-way street. Why was this change implemented, and was the impact on other streets, such as Tampa Avenue, considered in this process? Well, you know, this is an example of us responding to a community concern. Over the past several years, we've been working very closely with the residents of this neighborhood. It is an area that receives high volumes of traffic because uh, particularly people coming in and out of the city and going to St. Peter's and on to Albany Med use this uh, thoroughfare. And so the uh, one-way of Freeble has recently been put in place. It's in a trial phase. So Mm -hmm. we are trying to determine uh, what happens to the traffic patterns. We actually had a stop sign um, on Buckingham Drive that didn't work out. We moved it further down. That is working out. We just need people to be mindful that this is a residential neighborhood and they need to go slow. But one morning this week, I was coming back early from the gym and there was a police car parked on Freeble, and a car turned and started, started to go the wrong way on Freeble, oh notwithstanding the signs. So people are still getting used to it. We have heard complaints and concerns from people on Tampa. We are counting traffic, and we are looking for a resolution that balances the needs of the residents with the needs of um, people to get to work. If we could pivot from uh, Albany traffic issues to the aftermath of the presidential election. Since the election, we've seen demonstrations against President-elect Trump, cordial meeting between President Obama and the president-elect. What are your thoughts going forward on the Trump presidency? Well, I, for one, will be watching like a hawk with respect to the various appointments that the president-elect makes I am deeply concerned about the incidences of racism that have occurred since the election. 
And these are very real. I'm not suggesting that everybody who voted for Donald Trump is bigoted or is a racist, but uh, we've seen it in a statement from the Shenandoah superintendent. Um, we've seen a statement from Governor Cuomo of an in- increase in incidences um, of bigotry, and that it has no place in the city of Albany or anywhere in this country. And I hope that uh, Donald Trump comes out and is far more forceful about his statements regarding this type of behavior. I'm not encouraged, though, considering that he has named as one of his top strategists mm-hmm. the head of Breitbart, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, it, it, it is non-controversial, unequivocally posts uh, racist screeds and, uh, you know, white nationalist uh, uh, opinions. And, uh, you know, that's not a good sign for uh, a city as diverse as, as the city of Albany. President-elect uh, Trump is uh, considering a large infrastructure um, expenditure. I mean, wouldn't that help cities like Albany? Well, we'll have to wait and see. The president has also said that he will not provide any federal aid of any sort to any sanctuary city. We are one of more than 200 sanctuary cities across the country, um, and that means different things in different cities. But in the city of Albany, what it means is that we are a welcoming place to immigrants. We are a welcoming place to refugees, and we are not going to subject somebody just because they weren't born in this country to unnecessary harassment um, and questioning with respect to their legal status. So, uh, you know, what... The president-elect talks about is great, but he has also used um, very direct language at cities like ours saying that he will cut off all of our Department of Justice aid uh, and any other federal aid that we receive. Well, if we could pivot back uh, from uh, national events to Albany, uh, something that uh, gets people talking around here is the proposed gondola that would go from the Amtrak station in Rensselaer into the, the city of Albany. Uh, now, the news this week was that uh, they've been studying this idea for four months, and it is technically feasible, apparently. Uh, do you think this will become a reality, and is this going to be paid for by the government? Well, you know, the, the let me start with, first of all, it's great that it is technically feasible. This is um, an, a crazy idea that I talked about probably four or five years ago uh, during a session where we were uh, talking about potential for uh, the city of Albany in needs. And one of the great needs that we have is getting people from the train station into downtown Albany. And so I jokingly talked about thinking outside the box and what about a gondola. And here we are now uh, in 2016 with a study that shows that it is technically feasible. And the uh, study actually talks about a number of cities across the country and around the world that do have gondolas, what they're used for, and uh, what the impacts have been, and how they have been created. Some of them are are completely private, some of them are public-private partnerships, and some of them are public. Um, we certainly would be looking at some sort of probably private or public-private partnership model. You know, the city of Albany isn't prepared. This is would be a regional benefit, um, and uh, so I don't think that we should be in the position of having to foot the bill for this. But we certainly could work with another private entity to look at Regional Economic Development Council funding, um, also looking at some of the authorities. Is this something that the, that the CDTA would be interested in operating, um, something that could be done in collaboration with the parking authority if there was a parking structure um, built 
on the other side of, of where the gondola mm-hmm. um, station is. So, you know, I think that, that this study is just a first step. And uh, the next steps are that there are plenty of examples of these that are privately run. What's come up in the public discussion is, well, gee, this is, you know, good work, but boy, this is a big deal. Why don't we just get Uber and Lyft in Albany? Well, you know, here's the thing. Uber and Lyft uh, is absolutely something that we need as part of our trans- overall transportation um, infrastructure in the city of Albany and in this region. Uh, a gondola would reduce the number of car trips that mm-hmm. go just from the train station over that bridge and down into the city of Albany. So this is also an opportunity to reduce uh, uh, congestion, traffic congestion, and reduce emissions. So I think that it, it could be part of a broader um, uh, infrastructure investment that would be made. So, you know, I think it's it's one piece of a transportation puzzle. Uh, and it, again, it's something that I think it's important that it moves on to the next step. One of the things that we've talked with the um, uh, engineering firm who did the study about is potentially using some UAlbany students to really uh, do some interviews over at the train station to understand where people are traveling to so that we can determine how many cars would that take off the road if we mm-hmm. were to construct a gondola. Before we take a, a break, uh, I wanted to ask you, did you take part in the recreation of the Albany song, Let's Have a Party, Albany? It, it stemmed from the 1980s, written by my old friend David Allen. Um, you, you were there. Well, I understand you were there. Well, I, I made a little cameo appearance. Okay. So I was not there for the recording, but I, I did uh, make a cameo appearance. Right. I, I didn't want what happened to uh, the former Governor Cuomo and now the current Governor Cuomo to have there be a slide saying, uh, insert mayor here. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I was a, I was a trooper okay. and, uh, and I, I am in it. Calling this story in the news closing time, the Albany Rezone proposal is looking at a 2 a.m. closing time for some Lark Street area businesses that now can stay open much later. Many residents of the neighborhood favor the earlier closing. Some business owners say the changes could force them to close up shop. How do you see this issue? Well, I see it as the complex issue that it is. We had antiquated zoning in the city of Albany, more than 50 years old, and Lark Street is a perfect example of what happened as a result of that. So the zoning currently, in our current zoning for Lark Street, is that all businesses are supposed to close at 11 p.m., Mm-hmm. And so you say, well, then why are there businesses that are open till four? That's because each of those businesses had to get some sort of variance mm-hmm. or special use permit in order to stay open later. And what happened was is that there's a hodgepodge now. You have some that are allowed to stay open until midnight, some until one, some until two, some until four. And so we have to, in looking at our rezone, we certainly know that 11 p.m. isn't correct for that zone because that's not what we have in that zone. So in talking with the neighbors and talking with the residents and in talking with the businesses, the first proposal that was put forth in the zoning proposal that is now out for comment was a 2 a.m. closing time with a two-year period for those businesses that are open later to remain open later and then scale back their hours. We've since had a number of meetings with, uh, or I have not, but that there have been a number of meetings mm-hmm. between those business owners and some of the residents, and we're taking into consideration those comments. We have residents that are unhappy. They think 2 a.m. is still is too late, um, and we have businesses that think it's too early. So we're still working on solutions for that 
and we clearly aren't looking to impact the grocery store uh, market 32 that is there. I know the Dunkin' Donuts is often open later. We know that there are shift workers who are coming to and from Albany Medical Center um, that need to be taken into consideration, who may be stopping for dinner, you know, their dinner uh, very late at night mm-hmm. uh, or early in the morning. So um, we're looking at that, and it, but it's a balance. This is a perfect example of an area where we have high density of residents, and we also have a business district that we want to be a thriving business district. But I think it's very important that we bring certainty so that when new businesses locate or are looking to locate in the Lark Street area, they know the rules of the road. And there isn't a different set of rules that might favor one business and not mm-hmm. uh, it, to, to the expense of another business. So we're also looking for that, uh, uni- you know, that uniformity uh, so that people know the rules of the road in that neighborhood. Let's talk about smart cities. You attended a legislative forum on so-called smart cities, uh, using modern technology to improve city services. What was discussed there? A whole host of things. You know, uh, my fellow mayor in Schenectady, Gary McCarthy, is working uh, closely with some of the technology partners that he has right there, including GE, around smart technology for streetlights. So we are in the process of uh, determining whether we're going to try to purchase our streetlights or whether we're going to be looking to National Grid, which currently currently owns owns those streetlights to swap out all of the current lamps for LEDs. We've been waiting for mm-hmm. the new rate from the PSC. So we have some some, uh, some steps to take, but one of the things that is suggested is that when you swap out those lamps for LEDs, which we would do whether we own them or, or National Grid owns them, that you also install other technologies, including wireless, cameras. Um, there's technology that the lights will know because of sensors, whether a car is there or not. So the, the lights can dim when there isn't a car there and brighten up when there is a car there. All kinds of energy-saving opportunities, as well as connectivity. Um, so that's just one of the things that we talked about. We talked about a whole host of other ways that uh, cities are getting smarter. And it's not just cities. I want to give mm-hmm. a shout-out to our towns out there right, and our villages. Sure. But you know, this is, th- this is the wave of the future, and it allows us to be more effective and efficient. And what about the crows? That was in the news this past week. There have been complaints about flocks of crows in Albany. U.S. Department of Agriculture wildlife biologists will use non-lethal dispersal methods like spotlights and non-harmful lasers to scare the crows, encourage them to scatter. Is city government involved in this project? Well, we coordinate with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, uh, and we are so grateful and thankful for them that they undertake this effort every year. Um, we can we share information with them about where crows are, you know, congregating, and this is that time of year. And so every year around this time of year, we have these dispersals. And so when you see people driving around, the the U.S. Department of Agriculture biologists will have vests on. It'll be well marked. You'll know who they are. Um, But if you see people acting strangely like, you know, shining lasers up at trees, (laughs) um, they're they're doing us a service. Okay. well, let's get in a couple of uh, shout outs on uh, this week's Talk of the Town with Mayor Kathy Sheehan of Albany. Um, downtown Espresso, Stack's Espresso Bar now has a downtown location. That's right. They have a business on Lark Street, and they have expanded. And this is what we're seeing in Albany. We are seeing entrepreneurs who make an investment in the city. 
than moving to that second location and hopefully third location. Um, you know, you and I did a shout out for the, the automated laundromat that opened yes. up. You know, that's another serial entrepreneur in the city of Albany. And so I think that this is really a great sign that, uh, business owners are coming in. They're finding an environment where they can invest. Um, they're finding an environment that they really like where they're succeeding and they're able to expand. Uh, so I was at the ribbon cutting. It's, uh, you know, just a great, spectacular spot. Um, you can sit and people watch on Broadway, uh, and it's really a great new addition to our newest downtown neighborhood. An activist was honored, Emma Dixon. Yes. Emma was quite the activist, and uh, it was wonderful to be able to dedicate Springsteen Road uh, in her name There is a wonderful community out on Rap Road, uh, off of Rap Road, and it is a community that was settled as a result of the Great Migration. People coming here from the Jim Crow South, most from Shibuta, Mississippi, belonging to the same church. They were able to acquire property, and it looked very similar to their hometown. And the community that rose up in that neighborhood is one that is still vibrant today, and it is why that it has been designated as a historic district. And the reason for that is because of Emma Dixon's work. She really led the charge for telling the story of Rap Road, working with a SUNY student uh, at the time uh, about uh, researching that history. It resulted in, in a book being published, Southern Life, Northern City, the History of Albany's Rap Road Community. And it wouldn't have been possible without her determination. And there was another uh, honoree uh, recently, uh, this uh, gentleman who uh, worked as, as a volunteer on the USS Slater. I had the pleasure of being at the award ceremony for Rocky Rockwood. And I have to tell you, um, his stories, his determination, he is sharp as can be. Um, and he worked diligently to really save the, the uh, Slater's motor whaleboat. Um, and real and bring it back to life. He uh, told some great stories at this event, and some great stories were told about him. And you know, truly one of those examples of the greatest generation. Yeah, and I look up whaleboat. I mean, it they didn't actually look for whales off the Slater. This is used as a as a, like a lifeboat. Exactly. Yeah. No harpoons. No, no harpoons there. <laughs> Well, we will be uh, taking uh, next week off on uh, Talk of the Town, so I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. And you as well.